Welcome to We Have This Hope. My name is Emily Curzon. This is a podcast about the study of scripture, the art of remembering, and the practice of telling. On the show, we'll explore the ways God calls his people to remember by studying scripture together, and we'll hear individual stories of hope anchored in the beautiful and ancient practice of remembering. I'm so glad you're here. Good morning, and welcome back to our summer morning series. This is the second episode covering the book of James. Well, there's an intro episode, but this is the second episode where we're working our way through the scriptures. Now, this summer, we're exploring the book of James. This is the letter written by Jesus's brother and the leader in the early Jerusalem church. It's been called the Proverbs of the New Testament, which I love, likely because of its straightforwardness, its connection to wise living, and I'd say even its actionability. We're going to see that James is really practical, and he tells us the way to live, which is great. You can take what you read, and you can apply it. It's basic, and I really like that. So we're working through the text using our three-question method. What did it say? Why did it matter? Why does it still matter? If you're listening today and you haven't listened to our intro on James, I'd say stop here and go back to episode 21 so you can get some context. It will help. Okay, today we're going to jump right in. Now, the reason is because I did something that I don't often do and maybe I should do more of, but I re-listened to last week's episode, which is a funny thing to do in and of itself because I'm like driving around in my car listening to myself talk. (laughs) But it did prove helpful because my biggest takeaway is that I talked too much in the intro. So I I wanted these episodes to be easy to consume and focused mainly on the study. So without further ado... Let's get into it. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, James starts this section with some very clear directives. 
And these directives are connected to the first 18 verses that we looked at last week, where James kicked us off with quite a, what I called a a theological punch. He touched right away on things like suffering, sin, death, hope, but now he's shifting towards some practical advice for living. And he doesn't use this word, but I'd say practical advice for wise living. So here is my bullet point list answering our first question. What does it say? Here's what I heard. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I heard anger doesn't equal the life God wants for us. Get rid of evil and the worthless, like unholy stuff around you. Accept the word. And I'm using air quotes because we're going to unpack that. Don't just listen to it, but actually do it. This one's my favorite. There's a perfect law And rather than restricting us, it actually gives us freedom, which is quite the paradox if you think about it. A law that instead of restricting gives freedom. If we set our intentions on this law, remember it, and then do what it says, what we do will be blessed. That's what verse 25 says. And then finally, the summary of this kind of life is evidenced by a tight rein on the tongue in care for orphans and widows. This seems at first passing like an outlier verse, but I actually think it's a summary. It seems like James is basically giving his audience instructions for how to live in the same sort of obvious way that the Proverbs do. He says, do this, don't do this. It all has the same fatherly tone that Solomon gave us in Proverbs 2, like, my son, do not reject my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. That's Solomon in Proverbs. And these directives of James seem to be sort of like the bread of this section's sandwich. So the bookends, the bread, whatever you want to call it. He starts with things like be quick to listen and slow to speak. And he ends with care for orphans and widows. Really practical stuff, sandwiching some denser content in the middle. Now, anytime I see the really basic stuff like this in scripture, the stuff where there's not a lot to discuss in terms of what does it really mean here? like you might get when you're reading through like Paul, for example, I think it's wise to slow down and write it out. Like we tend to blow past the obvious stuff. And James even alludes to that in verses 23 and 24 when he uses a beautiful metaphor of a person forgetting their own reflection um, just to demonstrate how we easily walk away and forget what we already know. Another nod to remembering if you, you know, follow what I talk about a lot on the podcast. As I was studying this, I did have a few questions and one that led me down seemingly a rabbit hole, but I want to share a little of what I discovered because I think it will actually help us answer question two. Why did it matter? Remember, this is our context question deliberately in the past tense that prompts us to dig into what the author originally meant and who they were originally talking to, and especially to dig into the text's larger connection to the biblical narrative. This question is what brings it all home for me. So the thing I kept coming back to is, what is this word or this perfect law that James is talking about? It seems obvious, but I found myself wondering, like, does he mean the scriptures? Does he mean the Torah? Does he mean the old law, the new covenant? What is he talking about? It seems to be essential, 
whatever it is, to the kind of fruitful life that James was calling his audience of Jewish Christians to. In verse 22, he says it's planted in them. The word is planted in them, and it's essential for saving them from deception, from evil. And in verse 25, he tells them that it's this word, this law, that actually gives freedom and blessing, which, like I mentioned before, seems like paradoxical. And I can't help but wonder how particularly paradoxical that might have seemed to a group of people used to following lots of religious rules and laws. Like, were they wondering things like, wait, this new law is going to set me free? Or did they need the reminder that this word, this law was different from their old ways? Just something to think about. God uses his words to create the world in Genesis 1 through 3. Jewish poetry, so like the Psalms and the Proverbs, likens these words to wisdom and says God's wisdom is a person present at creation. John says this same word that was in the beginning at creation that represents God's wisdom through all eternity is now embodied in not just any person, but the person of Jesus, who was born in a stable and lived and breathed among them was crucified, resurrected, and ascended, and who will return to rescue the whole world. So why did this matter? Because James is speaking to a Jewish audience. So when he says things like, humbly accept the word planted in you, don't just listen to the word, do what it says, do not forget this word because it gives you life and freedom, they would have been able to connect this to the rich language from the Old Testament, the wisdom literature, poetry they likely memorized as young children. They would much more easily than us would have understood the depth and richness with which James is calling them to live as Christ had lived among them and very recently lived among them, if you remember that too. Jesus's life is the logos planted in them. He's who they should model their lives after. He is the reflection in the mirror that's their new identity. They should look at this new identity intently, let it shape how they live, how they speak, how they work, how they listen, how they care for the vulnerable and marginalized, how they hope and how they think. Okay, so why does this still matter? Why does it matter to us? Well, every time I study scripture, it always comes back to Jesus. Every single time, not that I'm not trying to do that. It's just every time I get a chuckle when I'm like, this always comes back to Jesus. Old Testament, New Testament, you name it. That's the whole, it's it's the ending point. The Old Testament and everything in between just seems to echo his name. So I was reading in Hebrews four and came to that very familiar verse that says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now I've always heard this scripture explained as being about the Bible, the actual scriptures it's held up to, to like give credibility to the Holy scriptures. And while I do think it can be applied that way, What if we read it with our richer understanding of logos? Because that is the same word being used here. The logos of God is living and active. Christ in us is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. 
the full expression of God's creative wisdom and power active in us, transforming, saving, resurrecting us. This was the word that James was calling the early church to live out. And I like to hope that with their context, they understood the fullness of what he's saying. It's not just the words you've heard. It's not just the words you've read. It's the person of Christ in you that allows you to express God's creative power and wisdom in the world. Well, this is the call for us too. And what does that look like? Well, in a very practical, real way, it shapes our actions. It's Christ in us doing the transformative work in our lives that frees us to do things like be quick to listen, slow to speak. It's his power in us that frees us from anger and allows us to move toward caring for the vulnerable, the widows and the orphans, because we have the confidence that all our needs are going to be met in him so we can give freely. This is the outward evidence of Christ in us. This is what James wants us to remember too. As we close today, I want to leave you with two questions to consider and a prayer from a song. Have I considered the power of Christ in me today? And when I do, how will that shape the way I speak and live today? I wish there was a way to include some songs for you in these episodes, but I haven't yet figured out how to do that. <laughs> I want to give you some lyrics to a song from the band, All Sons and Daughters. Um, this is a song called Christ Be All Around Me, and I love it. The words are simple, so hear them like a poem. As I rise, strength of God, go before, lift me up. As I wake, eyes of God, look upon, be my sight. As I wait, heart of God, satisfy and sustain. As I hear, voice of God, lead me on, be my guide, be my guide. Above and below me, before and behind me, in every eye that sees me, Christ be all around me, Christ be all around me. Christ be all around me. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, I have an interview coming out. I know I keep saying that. I keep hyping these things. But, you know, we had school ending this week. And so we're just all doing the best we can at the Curzon House. <laughs> um, if you have started a new rhythm as you're listening to these, would you text me? I got a couple of great messages last week and it just makes me so happy. So I'd love to know if you're following along. Please do that. You can like, review, share the podcast, whatever works for you. And that would mean so much to me. Okay. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.